0: Where's
1: Fielder? He's gone to
0: the dogs. The Gone to the Dogs podcast with your host Steve Fielder is on the air one more time, coming at you through the miracle of Al Gore's internet. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm recording this podcast on uh, the day before St. Patrick's Day. For all my Irish friends out there, I wish you a happy St. Paddy's Day. Uh, my grand, great-grandpa, John Haley, uh, was a fox hunter in Tennessee, and he's the guy that uh, is most likely responsible for passing the hound hunting gene along uh, through his, his uh, grandson, Uh, Holman Fielder, and ultimately his great-grandson, Steve Fielder, talking to you today. So anyway, uh, all you Irish out there, uh, enjoy your—I hope you had a great St. Paddy's Day. Uh, This podcast should be airing on March the 20th. And uh, we have uh, chosen a theme for this one called Too Old to Quit. I wrote about uh, an essay in my book by that title. It's a fiction piece about a grandfather and his grandson. If you've read the book, you'll recognize it as being the last essay in the book. And I got to thinking about that because I'm encountering more and more people today that are talking about uh, it may be time due to their age, possibly their health, To wind it down, maybe put the leashes up for the last time. And uh, for many of them, it would be uh, leaving behind a hobby or a lifestyle that they've enjoyed their entire lives. And um, I know at age 76, that day is not that far away for me. I'm hoping, as you'll see from some of my guests today, that it'll last a lot longer. Um, I'm very privileged to have uh, three guests on the program today, and I'm not going to spoil it by giving you their names or anything like that. I just want to tell you that... uh, If you are a little long in the tooth out there and you've been thinking about uh, those hills are getting too steep and those swamps getting too deep, well, I think you may enjoy this podcast as you hear the stories of some from your generation and my generation who uh, have considered uh, perhaps quitting this game of coon hunting, but yet they've uh, persevered and continued right on and are enjoying it uh, possibly as much as they ever did. So I hope you enjoy the podcast today, and uh, let's get right into it. My first guest today will be uh, Jim Garrison from the state of Missouri. Uh, My conversation with Jim is already in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, as we were talking there, you were telling me that Rayville is a a town within the uh, uh, Kansas City area, right?
2: Yeah, greater metropolitan area, but we're out in the country, thank God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you're pretty happy, I guess, with the Super Bowl outcome.
2: Oh, my gosh. Mm, We're still
0: excited about it.
2: Some people's blood pressure ain't went down yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a good game. You know, I kind of got down on the NFL when all the kneeling started yeah. and all, you know. But
2: we, we, uh, we all did.
0: Yeah, but I think they kind of got things back into perspective now. And mm-hmm. so we, uh, Ella and I, enjoyed the game. And it was a good game right down to the yeah. wire. And, uh, yeah.
2: It's the only game I've watched replays on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the whole thing every second of it. But then I've been watching the last five-minute replays of that. Gosh, that was exciting.
3: It, <laughs> yeah,
0: it really, really was. I was
2: a, I was a big Chiefs fan in an 18 and a senior in high school and watched them win their first Super Bowl. Oh, and man. then all through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I was a good fan. But, oh, they got close to one little playoff game and would lose every one. So what yeah. we're experiencing now with the Chiefs is us uh, good, solid fans are reaping a reward. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, two bowls, and it's just unbelievable.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. He
2: wouldn't believe it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well, you know, <laughs> that ca- calls to mind uh, uh, my brother-in-law, who was a Tampa Bay a uh, Buccaneers fan through all their – I mean, he bought season tickets the first year they brought a team to Tampa. Wow. And he was a faithful fan through those miserable seasons yeah. and all the changes and everything. And he passed away in June of the year that they won the Super Bowl in the fall. Oh, no and, fair. Yeah, yeah, it was not fair. We were uh, so uh, – so disappointed that that Charlie didn't get to see his Bucks, you know, win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, well, good for you guys out there in Kansas City, and I'm I'm glad for you. Well, yeah, absolutely. Mahomes is the guy that uh, everybody I think is is watching really closely. He's uh, yeah. he's quite a guy and seems to be a well-rounded guy. Well, yep. Jimmy, I did not call you to talk about football. But I, I did have to get that in. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to mention just briefly, while I have you uh, in the in the guest chair here, uh, our friend Jim Cannon, who passed away uh, just this last year. Now he was out there in your area as well, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I'm on the
2: northeast side of Kansas City, and he was on the southwest side. Right. Took me about. It. Oh, touch over an hour to get to him.
0: I got you. You Kansas. Yep. I had the opportunity when I went out to the Garmin uh, headquarters there in Olathe uh, to go and and, uh, hunt one night with Jim. And, of course, he and I had been friends for years. We really hate to lose these people.
2: Oh, uh, yes. The good plot
0: people, especially, you
2: know, for us. Yep. He was a good, good plot man and a good friend.
0: Absolutely. Well, the guy that I wanted to talk to you today about is a fellow that I don't think anybody in the country knew any better than you did, uh, knew him any better than you did. Uh, You guys traveled to plot days for many years, and I want to ask you about that. But uh, Warren Wilson of Stover, Missouri. Uh, I remember Warren very well from way back in the days. You know when I started going to plot days and through the years there in '79 and '80 when I was president and then on the board and different things. But Warren was always, always there. Uh, mm. Jim, tell tell the listeners a little bit about Warren and his his background there and. I, I think he went to what was plot days. He never missed one. or, or mm-hmm. It's quite phenomenal. Talk about yep. your old friend a little bit.
2: Well, he was born and raised in the Ozarks and was just an average country boy, tending cows and hogs and all that, maybe even some sheep. And He hunted. had squirrel dogs, but there wasn't very many coons back in those days. He went off to World War II and gave him four years and got to come home without a scratch he was on a ship headed for japan whenever the surrender happened and they announced we're turning this ship around boys going back to the u.s the war is over
3: mm-hmm. and that
2: was a story boy but just really emotional sure they all most of them thought they was gonna die so yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah anyway he got home from world war ii and told his dad said i want a tree dog and his dad was uh fox hunter he had a good pack of dogs he won the Missouri State fox hunt in 1946 and uh, so they looked around went down bought some dog and uh, tried him and now it didn't work out so he said I'm going to try one of those plot hounds I've been hearing about it's a new breed so he got this little six month old plot male I forget who he got him from I think that man up in Iowa southern Iowa that was a breeder and he took him hunting, and he ran and the first night out at six months old. And so Warren fell in love with the plot breed. He'd never seen anything like that. And he just continued to uh, develop plots. He had Grand Night Champion Wilson's Rusty, Grand Night Champion Wilson's Ranger, and a whole bunch of other good females. And I remember as a small boy sitting down in a dog pen, and about three different females that had 10 or 12 pups, And they was all together in the same big pen. And here they come. I was covered in plot puppies. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was 15 years old, I'd been hunting a couple times with a buddy. And Warren gave me a young saddleback plot male. And that was my start in the plot breed. I'm 72 Mm. now and still got plots tied up down back. I uh, hunted the hunts with my plots. And uh, Gil Rainey was on the Cannon side, good friend of Jim Cannon's. And we was the only plot people for quite a few years at these UKC hunts around the country. And people would come up to us and look at our dogs say, is that a plot hound? Yeah, we'd try to give them a little bit of their history, nice about it. Yeah. But afterwards, a few years later, if anybody said something about a plot, I said, you know, plot's won the UKC World Championship. And a plot has won the PKC World Championship. Now, if you don't know what a plot hound is, I'd say you don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell them That's nowadays. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But you still drop with people that say, I've never hunted with a plot. But, yeah. Uh, well, know, They are they are on the bottom of the popularity scale. But it, uh, I think 10, 20 years from now, it might be a little different. Because a lot of people are bringing up some awful good young plot dogs.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful for sure. Yeah, and, you know, with nice my job, yeah mm-hmm. yeah we do. My partner Mark Miller down in uh, in uh, North Carolina. He and I partnered on a puppy that we got from. Uh, 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 got from uh, Bill, Bill Shaniger out there yeah. that has the Lazarus dog. Boy, he's and, going to town,
2: that dog. Mm. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we're having a lot of fun with him. We just hope the the bubble don't break like that balloon, you know, that's been
2: flying up. around here. But, uh, but We've huh? you know, we got a three-year-old that we made night Champion this past year and got cool. that HTX on the end of his name and yeah. I, whenever that first came around, I was one of its fans. If you get three good, honest judges to sign off on that dog and go hunting and strike and fear coon, I think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, what it is, Jim, and I agree with you. In the years that I was at the registries, uh, you know, people would say, oh, talk about these cheap night champions, and there's night champions yeah. out there that can't tree their own coon and they won't right. go hunting by themselves and yada, yada, yada. So this HTX uh, title uh, kind of puts all of that to rest, you know? Yep. Dogs are got to do it all on his own.
2: Right under three yeah. different judges
0: it right be the
2: same club it has to be different judges
0: sure yeah
2: i, I think it's great
0: well, well i do too now back talking about warren wilson uh warren was in his, in his 90s when he passed was he not
2: 97
0: 97 years old that's amazing to me you know my mother passed this year back yeah. in March, and she made it to 100 and, and, and 11 days, I believe it was, but I knew that the phenomenal thing about Warren at that age is that he was still hunting right up to, just about to the end, wasn't he?
2: Right towards the end, he would stay at the truck, but he had his garment in his hand, and he could tell us when we got to the tree, and when we was on the way back from the tree, and how his female did, he had a me and him got together and gave 5000 for a little plot female out of Larry's uh, stud dog down there in southern Missouri. And, oh, she was a dandy. And we bought her to hunt, of course, but to breed to my tracks dog. And my yeah. Grand Night Champion tracks dog. And right. she come down with cancer of the uterus, and we had to have her spaded
3: mm. and
2: that was hard to take, but uh, we had an awful good coon dog for quite yeah. a few years. Uh, one of Warren's buddies is still hunting her, and she's a fantastic little dog. She's treated us a lot of coons.
0: That's awesome. Well, you yeah. and Warren also owned a dog together, a stud dog, the Thunder dog, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we did, and uh, we had bad luck with him too. We gave uh, big money for him from bought him from Larry the poster over in Illinois, and <laughs> I felt sorry for Larry after he sold him to us. Uh, he would call about twice a week. How's that dog doing? Uh, now, if you guys aren't happy, you, you I'll sure give your money back. <laughs> thought, yeah. well, we, well, we was happy for him. He had a good mouth, hard tree dog. When he was down to holler and treat all by himself on a frosty November night, it sounded like six dogs down there. Gosh, that dog can bark. Mm-hmm. But he came down with cancer of the tail and had to have a certain part of it cut off. Then he had cancer of his testicles. And we hopeless. tried we only took one off and hopefully, you know, it only takes one, but that didn't pan out. We got one or two litters out of him. Mm-hmm. And the ones that uh the one Good Cross uh was that uh dog that uh Ron Miller owned and mm-hmm. Rex Morgan up in Iowa had a lot to do with her and they made tree dogs, they made good yeah. dogs.
0: Well, I know a little bit about those dogs because the old hoss dog that I hauled around all over the country for several years was a half brother to Thunder. He That's he right. was out That's of right. the Bolins Clyde dog too. So right. yeah, I know uh-huh. what you're talking about when you talk about ringing those trees. I I <laughs> had uh, quite a few enjoyable hunts with hoss in the White River Refuge there in Arkansas, and actually oh, I right. counted up. I think it was about. Ten or twelve states, die hunted die that old dog in and just mm-hmm. had a ball with him. Well, okay. Well, what I guess kind of in the theme that I wanted to kind wanted to uh, explore here a little bit is there's a lot of guys. You know, we're, I'm in the boomer generation. You are too, but I'm a little little older than you are. Uh, <laughs> You know, these, these coon hunt night hunts actually kind of kicked in the gear about the time I was born. And, uh, you know, my dad got his first registered dog. It was a plot in 1954. I was eight years old at the time. But anyway, we're kind of, you know, getting long in the tooth, my generation, you know, yeah. and, yeah. uh, I, you know, I just kind of a lot of guys, uh, Once you get past retirement age, really, things start to slow down. You know, I notice it physically. I know you've been through some physical challenges with some Mm -hmm. surgeries and stuff, but just doggone it, just plain getting old makes it tough to coon hunt.
2: Yeah, yeah. And them young guys uh, leave you in the dust. That's my big grudge. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's the tree that the dog's tied back waiting for you so they can start shining.
3: Yeah, and yeah.
2: That makes you hurry up, and you're out of breath when you get there. And
0: yeah, I I know that feeling very, very well. And uh, All these
2: dogs, they let them all get separated and treed. I saw the oaks two or three years ago, and all we did was run from one tree to the next, to the <laughs> next, the whole two hours in the same patch of woods.
3: Mm.
0: Oh
2: gosh.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's a different game for sure. Uh, this is a little side story here and I'll try to make it brief. Back in 1997, my dad was still living and we had plot days at Palm Ohio. I'm sure you were there. Yeah. Uh, Several times. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, Dad wanted to, decided he wanted to hunt in the veterans cast or the senior cast on Thursday right. night. And I yeah. have a picture of him and uh, uh, the gentleman, uh, there was a guy named Oscar uh, Smith, the local there, a blue tick guy that guided the cast, and on the cast was Howard Chester, Moke Anderson, uh, my dad and a gentleman named Greenley or Green—I can't remember his last name. He's from Pennsylvania. But Dad hunted in that cast and won the cast, and and so then I handled the dog the next two nights, and we were lucky enough to win opposite sex. Yeah, but in mean, uh, Heath Hyatt with his little Brandy female was the overall winner that year yeah but I got to thinking about that, and you mentioned this little fever dog that Mark Miller and I have together uh, yeah. and and we were talking about plot days and he said, Steve, I'm not going to be able to go because I've got a work commitment, a trip that they have planned, all this stuff and I said, Well, mm-hmm. maybe I'll just uh uh tough it up a little bit and and handle the dog at plot mm-hmm. days and I got to thinking. I'm going to be 76 years old in October. My dad was 76 years old. When he hunted in that veterans cast at Pombroy. So I said, So I guess I'm going to have to tough it up and and get myself in shape and and go out there and do it. But, you know, Dad was one of those two that really, uh, you know, as he got older, you know, the legs just gave out. and hunting in those mountains the way he did. Oh, God. Yeah, and he was a pipe fitter by trade, so his knees, hips, joints and all, he had hip Mm -hmm. replacement surgery and all. But, you know, there's these tough guys like Warren Wilson that just seem to stick with it forever. What do you attribute Warren's uh, toughness and his
2: longevity to? Well, I've thought about it and talked about it and read about it, and it's the genes— you inherit the moment you're conceived or born. That's what it's got to be. I had this old coon hunter, Harold Titchener. He bred mm. uh, three different females several times to my Grand Night Champion Ranger dog that's mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And he didn't smoke, he didn't drink, he didn't carouse. He was just a good Sunday school boy his entire life. And towards the end of his life, he had to have a bunch of different operations. And he was a plot man in uh, oh, yeah. North 73, and he knew Warren and his aunt and buddy, Billie Jean, and they'd hunted together a couple times. And he said, Warren has smoked for 50 years. I said, yeah. And he he, he ain't shy about taking a snort of whiskey. I said, no. And he said he <laughs> drove a truck and drove, took those little white Benny pills. And he said they didn't work. it took one leaving New Jersey after taking a load of hogs up. Took another one halfway back and it couldn't keep him awake or nothing. He finally got home and laid down in bed and said, All of a sudden, his eyes popped open. He jumped up. He said, I bailed hay for two days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, a, um, that's a typical Warren Wilson story yes, right there. What yes, a sense uh, of humor he had,
3: um, man.
2: He uh, told a million good stories. Uh, I wrote about him in uh, our plot yearbook mm-hmm. here, several years ago. And I'd encourage people to read those stories, uh, not because of my writing ability, but the stories on Warren. It, uh, I don't know that they all make me laugh. <laughs> and I oh definitely.
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I, it was at Plot Days. I think the last one that I attended, I sat with uh, by Warren. I imagine. I don't know if you were there. On the other side or not, but in the meeting, I remember sitting with Warren. He was having a little difficulty hearing what was going on yeah. up front, you know. But he was right there, man, and <laughs> and he was, you know, well into his 90s. The, yeah. And, and to me, that is just amazing because he's got – he had uh, – well, if he at uh, died at 97 – you know, he that's eleven years older than what I am right now, and yeah. and I guess the whole reason for me taking this this road on this pl- uh, podcast this time is that you know I find myself asking, uh, or asking myself, you know, when when you gonna quit, Steve? You know, when is it gonna get? To the point where you just can't do this anymore. Thank goodness I'm not to that point yet, you right. know. And then I look at people like Warren, and they inspire me, you know.
3: <laughs> yes,
2: yeah. uh, I'm in the shape now that he was in when he was 95, and I'm, I'm only 72. That yeah. kind of makes mm. you jealous. My gosh, he he didn't take care of himself the way he's supposed to, and lived to be 97, and like old Harold Tishner. Did everything right and still died way too young. So it's yeah. the gene inherited.
3: well have, no I, I doubt
2: about it. Th-
0: I think that's exactly right. And I mentioned yeah. this just a little bit. But it ties in, so I'll throw it in there at no charge. Uh my mother was a Hatfield. She uh My grandfather always said we were not related to those feuding Hatfields, but Grandpa, (laughs) either Grandpa was trying to fool people or he just didn't know and understand. But I did the uh, did the research on the family trees and my mother descended at the same level a generational level as Devil Lance Hatfield the oh leader boy. of the Hatfield clan. Yeah. Uh, they came down from a pair of brothers Joseph and Jeremiah the sons of George Hatfield. It goes back to the early 1700s. But here's the deal on my mother's side of the family those guys live forever. There was oh. a bunch of them in their nineties, and one in her line lived to be hundred and twelve years old. Wow! Back and, in those days. and you think yeah. about Devil Ants, you know, he died mm. many years before my mother did, but I guess they were killing each other off or something. Yeah. I don't know what the deal was, but but yeah. I guess at least on that side, I have those genes that I can hope. Hope it carries through, you know, but there you go. But I've already outlived both of my grandfathers, so uh, yeah, I, you know, one was 72 and one was 76. So, yeah.
4: but anyway, but
0: I, we, yeah, uh, you don't want those jeans, <laughs> no, no, I'll pass yeah. on those, but uh, yeah, that's like my my son says about the bald head, you know, he said he got, he got my lousy jeans. But huh. uh, that came from that Hatfield side, too. So <laughs> well, I had
2: a I had a great-great-great-great-grandfather born in 1732, same year as George Washington. He fought in the Revolution. Wow. And I, think, I think he knew George. But he moved mm. to Missouri when he was 100 and died in 1836. 1732, 1836, buried wow. down here in South Central Missouri. And, uh, lived to be 104 years old. That's incredible!
0: In yeah, boy, the stories family he family. could tell, right?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. he's buried. I've been to his uh, grave several times with the kids. Always oh, buried in a town called Ozark. It's halfway between Springfield, Missouri, and Branson.
0: Mm, and popular know you area. He
2: knows where Branson is. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, you know, have you known other coon hunters that lived to to a pretty ripe age, uh, mm-hmm. Jim? Or has uh, Warren been pretty much the one? Yeah, I don't know any of
2: them.
0: passed
2: mm-hmm. in. Ralph Ralph yeah. Hendricks uh, went way
0: too young, I thought. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. You know there were so many. Uh, when I was a kid, I would go to plot days and I'd sit there in the corner with my mouth open and my <laughs> mouth or my mouth shut and my ears wide open. Is what I meant mm-hmm. to say. Because that's the way it was when you were a kid back in those days. You didn't chime yes. in to those conversations. Yep. <laughs> They'd yep. say, what do you get? Go outside and play, kid. <laughs> you know, but. Um, well, I guess in the future, Steve, we might not get to
2: turn dog loose, but we'll be at plot days and enjoy hearing stories and telling a couple.
3: Yeah. And, uh,
2: <laughs> instead of being way up down deep in the brush. Ten o'clock, you'll be in a motel room.
3: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know yeah. that's that's kind of a tough deal to do. Uh, I know. I know. You know, I I hunted uh, the last time I uh, well, it wasn't the last time I was at Plot Dates, but I hunted at Hallville, Kentucky, there across from Tell City, and oh, yeah. got my dog mm-hmm. uh, a cast win that night in the RQE and got the car back ten minutes late. Yeah. And I oh, walked in, yeah. and there wasn't anybody on the fairgrounds but Gary Cox there working yeah. scorecards. He said, "You know you're late fielder." I said, "Yeah, I do." He yeah. said, "Well, I can't take your card." I said, "Gary, yeah, I know you can't, but I thought uh-huh. I'd bring it on back so you at least know that it's yeah. it's a dead cast, you know." Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, that the fraternity that we've known down through the years, Jim, with these plot yeah. people has been pretty special, hasn't
2: it? Yes, it has. Uh, good friendships and just think—I uh, think I think, feel like they're brothers. So big Eddie Anderson mm. at winter classic a couple years ago sat there and looked all around and was all around the plot table there and he said, I just love all you guys. And you're just all my brothers. <laughs> Eddie you know, feels it like it is. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess he's our president. He now. is. Well, he's the yeah. new president
0: of the National Plot Island Association yeah. from there in Western well, Western Kentucky.
2: And, and we lost Tony. He was a good president. Great oh yeah. Uh, I
0: guess Plot Days will
2: still be at Florida this yeah. year. That's where he it's, announced. So I don't see how Eddie change it now. Yeah,
0: as far as I know, that's yeah. the deal. Yeah, that'll be. I think it's in June this year. June. 16,
2: 17, 18, 19, kind of like that. Okay. My
0: wife was born in Florida, Illinois. No way.
2: Yes, her family's all from that area. And, oh, uh, you know, I'm glad the. They ended up over here in Missouri. We celebrated 50 years last June. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah, is she, awesome. She is a wonderful woman. Steve, she- I can hand her a serpentine belt. And point towards the pickup and say, Can you put that on there for me, honey? <laughs> well, I will. You gotta get all that grease off of me if I get you. I will, honey. And Steve she can put look at that diagram underneath the hood and put that on slicker than any
0: mechanic. <laughs> My goodness. And a very attractive woman too. Yes. So yeah. You yeah. you you, he, you did well, Jim. I you did, did I extremely well. The well, there's a little hmm. story about Florida, Illinois, and I'm sure you know it, but and your wife probably, but When Ford Motor Company decided to build the Mustang back in 1965, I think was the first year, maybe 64 and a half, they chose Flora, Illinois as the town to introduce the Mustang to the country. Did you know that? No. They had a special parade and all that, Lee Iacocca was was the guy that was responsible for the Mustang. And he oh. later went to Chrysler and all that. But yeah. but yeah, Flora, yeah. Illinois. Who yeah. would have thunk it? That little Who town. It?
2: Well that back then it, it wasn't nearly as populated as what it is now. No. Ah, somebody. And my it, sister had a turquoise sixty five
3: Mustang.
2: Yeah. Oh white interior. Oh my goodness. I got oh yeah! Times on a date.
0: <laughs> oh boy, yeah. yeah. Well, my mm. cousin uh, up the street, you know, I was really envious. She, her dad got her one one of the first mm. ones that came out. It was a yellow one. Had those wow. red stripe tires on them. the. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the sidewalls were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, listen, we're going down some rabbit paths here, buddy. But yep. Uh, yep. well, you know, I, Jim, it's just. Great to talk to you what's going on with you with your dogs and what's your plans well, and stuff uh,
2: mo I had to put mo grand night champion track dog down two days ago he mm. was 12 and a half and uh, he'd become sterile and uh, I don't let them hang around where they're down in the back end and all that before i do something with them but uh yeah he got like to eat right up until the last day and I took to the vet and and uh, had him cremated. I couldn't mm. ask my to take him out in the woods or anything like that, like you would with the counterfeit. But uh, yeah, he was he was a good one. And oh
0: yeah, he was a good one. I hunted with him. I remember him, tree dog. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Yeah, and uh, I, I gave a young man down here in southern Missouri a two-year-old out of him, and his the dam is out of Logan and Banana. And yeah. I'm in the shape where I can't train a young dog, but this boy can, and he's got him running training coons and just,
3: oh, you know, yeah. you
2: don't have to hunt them at six months old. If they've got it in them, you can hang on to them till they're year and a half, two years old, and if they've got those genes, shoot. Them. There
0: you go. There you. You're exactly yeah. right, Jim. And we get so enamored by these five, six month old wonders. Yeah. And all. Yeah. And but when I was a kid, we didn't really worry about a dog much till he's approaching two years old. Yeah, You know, I yeah. didn't really think he's just an old pup, probably just be out there running trash if you weren't careful yeah. with him, you know, and so my dad didn't get too excited about that at all. Well, you mentioned that cross there with uh, Bill Harrell's Logan dog, who's been a big, mm-hmm. big winner. Uh, oh, you know, he's on a big a stage, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then my buddy Gordy Schrader down here in Florida with uh, with Bayou Banana, and he's bred mm-hmm. her, I think, about four times, and he's yeah. gotten good pups from those litters, right. and she he's got, yeah, he's yeah. got one called Ben right now that's a Grand Night champion, uh, that's that he's. Cool.
2: He's a little mate to my female. Yeah, yeah. She's a little tree dog. She's a dandy little dog. Ooh, I just it. She had one litter out of tracks and Had eight pups. She's two days early. I went down there to the pen and all she likes is biscuits. You give her a biscuit and she's happy. Well, she was wanting her biscuits. So I gave it to her and I thought, you look a little different. So I raised the lid on that doghouse and there were eight beautiful drennel pups, all in a big bundle and it was all perfectly dry and every little belly was full. And they were just sleeping away. There wasn't none of them crying, wanting or needing anything. And I said, honey, you're the best. I've looked for a female like you forever. I've had a lot of litters, and half of them would be there and gone, mashed, and all that, you know.
0: Well, that was a a frustration for us, too, Jim, down through the years. The Mm -hmm. plot females, for some reason, a lot of them weren't good mothers. And yep. uh, they were excitable, maybe, about, over their puppies. Or jump up and pups would go flying everywhere. Yeah, you know, and step
2: and, on them and all and, that. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, you I know. remember all that. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So you got. uh I've,
2: so, got her and I've got a three-year-old night champion that's a grandson of tracks, And we just think a lot of him. Uh, he's been hunted by himself a lot and always treat three singles uh, about a week ago. But we're going to breed them and she should be coming in, uh, in March. And I've been looking oh, at her every day, you know, yeah. so we're, we're looking, he's got one litter out of a female from uh, Joe Pool up in Idaho. He, he just hunts mountain lions, but mm. uh, the ones we bred tracks to his good female and they're all running tree and good. And so we bred uh look shot to her when he came down two day drive down here from Idaho
3: wow. and,
2: uh, when we told him that Buckshots was trained on cats down in the barn, and he has treated as a bobcat, <laughs> in hurry, he said, that's good enough, because <laughs> old Pratchett had come up sterile. So, but he'd go down here for two days, we didn't want him to go home empty-handed, so <laughs> we got her bread, and she had a nice liver. Oh,
0: that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Do you remember the last hunt that you took with Warren Wilson?
2: Yeah, it's down in the uh, Morgan County, Stover area where he lives, and uh, I think it was just before season open because I'm thinking we buried him in November, but uh, he was at the truck and uh, the, his little female, the one we gave so much money for, us, she had uh, cold trailed this track up. Nothing else seemed like they was interested in it or could open on it, and she located that tree, and come back and. Hit it again, and the third time, boy, she settled down on it. We knew we was going to see a coon or a legitimate den tree.
3: He mm-hmm.
2: had a big old nice board on the outside, and the rest of them that couldn't smell it, they fell in the tree with her. And uh, we got back and said, Oh, Queen did it there, Warren. He said, yeah, I know. I was punching her on the Carmen. <laughs> 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 Your dogs don't, well, how does it run or a tree, do they, boys? Oh, he digs bad. Oh, I bet
0: you. Yeah. I bet you. Yeah. Well, you know, that spirit, and, and I'll speak to that just a minute real briefly because it just remembers these stories, you know. If we don't tell them, Jim, they'll be lost.
3: That's and
0: true. and, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, part of the of the saving the ones that haven't been recorded or whatever is in retelling them so they become fresh again in our memory. Right. I, I know mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for young people maybe to understand that now. You know, because uh, I remember, <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid running around on the farm in Tennessee where my dad was raised, you know, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what the old folks were saying. But I sure wish I could sit down there now and listen. Yeah. But uh, my mother was having a a procedure. She was well up in age. She was 90. And I had to take her to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, which was a a considerable ride. I'm going to say probably about four hours or so. And uh, her doctor was a lady and a surgeon and we were talking and she was explaining, you know, what the procedure was going to be and yada, yada. And mother's sitting there and this doctor is looking at me and explaining to me all of these things, okay? Yeah. My mm-hmm. mother at 90 years old interrupts her and says, hey, you, <laughs> you talk to me. I'm the patient. I'm the one that needs to know these things. The doctor smiled. I smiled. I looked at the doctor, and I said, welcome to my world. And the the, the doctor looked at me, and she said, that is how you live to be 90 years old. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think about that. These old old timers, you know, and and I know a lot of the kids are thinking that we're just a couple of old timers here beating our gums, but but the older people, you know, they they seem to retain that sense of humor and those stories, and uh, and uh, you know, my my dad every day of his life, when he said grace at the table, he said these words: "Lord, thank you for life." And you know, he, and he used to tell me, "I've had a good life, Steve. You know, no matter when I go, I've had a good life, and I and I've it's been much enjoyed." Well, you know, Wayne uh, yeah. Warren is a, a is a great friend to us, and uh, and we'll always cherish his memory. Jim, Steve, I still, yeah. I've
2: still got a, a bare bone around my rearview mirror that your dad gave me many years ago. you know what i'm talking
0: about yeah i do i do in fact a a lot of people may not know that a bear has that uh, bacula or whatever it's called just like a coon does but it's bigger and it's straighter Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. he gave you one of those and you and you still got it huh still got it awesome that's awesome i tell people
2: that come out of the bear and Steve Fielder's dad home and gave it to me. <laughs>
0: well, that's an honor for, for that's an honor for me to to yeah. have you tell people about that. Uh, you yeah. well, buddy, I tell you what, I kind of caught you um, you know unawares, but uh, it's sure been a great visit with you today. Yep. Well, and, I'm
2: retired and sitting here at home with this thing around my neck, supposedly yeah. e- healing up. Got to wear it for three months.
0: Oh, boy. And so you're Lord, in like I a have. neck, a collar-like thing? Yeah, yeah. all the way around. It's huh? keeping my
2: chin up, and that's supposed to help, you oh,
0: know, heal Well, you need to get all that taken care of before June so we can yep. see you, in Flora. Oh,
3: I sure yeah. hope so.
0: Yeah, I do, too.
2: I hope so. Well, Jim
0: Garrison, I'm going to let you go for now. I thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I'm going to get you back on here to talk about plot dogs again. It's something I've meant to do for a long time, but sure do appreciate your time today, Jim.
2: No problem. I enjoyed it, Steve.
0: Okay. Well, you take care, brother, and we'll we'll talk to you again soon.
2: You betcha. Uh Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, I'm here with my White River Refuge buddy, Morris Hardy, from the great state of Mississippi. Morris is, I believe he told me, 78. Morris, is that right?
1: Uh, and that, that is correct. Yes, sir.
0: 78 years old. Well, you've got me by a couple of years. And our kind of the theme for this podcast this week has been talking about being too old to quit. I wrote a chapter in my book about that, about an older gentleman that had a grandson that was still wanting him to go hunting and was questioning him about why he wasn't going as much as he used to. And Right away, I'd say, well, if you were, Sonny, if you were 76 years old, you'd know why. But, Morris, uh, you, how long have you been a coon hunter? It's been a while, hasn't it?
1: Ever since I, I started coon hunting, really coon hunting, when I was 21.
0: Yes. I got you. Well, mm-hmm. that's ooh, that's 57 years it's
1: a good,
0: it's that's a pretty good. it's wow. yes, a sir. pretty good while. That's a pretty good while. Now you live in uh, Sardis, Mississippi, right? I live there? in
1: Sardis, Mississippi. Yeah.
0: Yes, sir. That's right near Batesville, where the Winter Classic just just came down here a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, I guess.
1: Yes,
2: sir.
0: Yeah. Well, you, I, I met you and your buddy uh, Randy Smith. I call him Mississippi Randy because I've got one right. in Pennsylvania <laughs> by the same name. Right. But uh, And you boys have been coming over to the White River, and we've been having some great times over there down through the years. But really, Morris, for your age, I think you do amazingly well in the woods. I don't see that you've slowed down any whatsoever from when uh, I first met you. But
1: uh Well it seems like uh seems like I slowed down a little bit. Uh Steve, I'm I'm kinda like a fair weather hunter now. You know, I don't go on the rainy nights like I did in the younger days, but I still hunt about uh, three, four nights a week.
0: Yes. Well that that's uh that's a lot of hunting for a guy our age and uh uh you know, is what what keeps you going? What? Why do you uh, continue this when most people have quit by our age?
1: I don't know. Sometimes I think, to me, if you quit life early, life will quit you early. So uh, that's the way I got it figured anyway. I'm going to hunt probably – I'm 78, so I figure when I hit about 90 –
0: I'm going to slow down a little bit. That's just me. (laughs) Well, you know, I I spoke with Jim Garrison earlier uh, about his friend who's now passed on, but he hunted until the age of 97, uh, just shortly before he passed away. And, uh, you know, that seems to me like a reasonable thing. Maybe I could make it another 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing about this game, I think, is the mind's willing, but sometimes the body's not, not able to keep up with it. But, uh, well, what do you attribute your your longevity in the sport? I mean, you,
1: I, I can't honestly answer that in one question, Steve. Uh, but my health is still good, and I, you just got to play the hand that you're dealt in life. I think. Yeah. Just play the hand you're dealt. Yes,
0: sir. Right. Well, I know that uh, from from watching you out there. You know, you you're handling your dog. You're making the long walks mm-hmm. to the trees when you when you need to, and uh, uh, you know, uh, show all the visible signs of being able to go on for for quite a long time from now. Uh, you know, there seems to be uh, a lot of guys that when they get our age, they start thinking about. Hanging it up, or for whatever reason, and I think most usually it's health related. Uh, for some reason, there's some kind of a a thing. But you said it there, I believe, uh, in that you know, if you you keep going, you keep active is is very key. I know my dad, yes. as he got yep. older, he uh, he had a, a bad hip and eventually had a hip replacement, but he waited too long. He was 87, and it never did really uh, help him any. But I think looking back, when my dad's hunting buddies kind of uh, faded away and this and that, he spent too much time in that recliner and wasn't able. Now, you have a pretty active lifestyle. You live out in the country. Uh you, you look after things. You tend things. You stay pretty busy, don't you?
1: I do. I stay busy. Like right now, I've got about ten goats that I'm taking care of, about thirty chickens, and a horse. And I just bought. Uh, I just bought two pups. They're a little over two months old. So I know I'm. I'm dedicated to see what these pups do. Uh, so I got to. I got to carry them on too. So I know I got. I got a pretty good while left, to hunt. Yeah.
0: Well, I know Pretty that you always show up with a coon dog. That's one thing yeah. I've noticed uh, about <laughs> you. And uh, with your Skeeter dog, a crossbred female, just an outstanding right. coon hound in my, in my view. And now you've got a young one coming. Uh, well, she's not coming along. She is a coon dog in two days. Now, is yeah, she crossbred or on. English? Yes. No, she's English. She's okay. English. Uh, she's English.
1: She'll be two years old next month, the 25th of of next month. She'll be two. Yes, sir.
0: Well, you kind of lean toward the English dogs, don't you?
1: Well, I I do because my buddy that I hunted with for 40 years or better passed away, and seemed like he he, he favored the English. And it's just once you get into a a breed, I don't know, you just have a tendency to stay there. Uh, Nothing against any of them. Nothing against those good and bad and everything. Uh, my buddy in Ohio, he got me started on some of these English dogs, Ed Bates. Uh, we used that's to hunt with That's on the old uh, ACHA days. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's a name a lot of people recognize. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I used to hunt with Ed some and Calvin and Calvin Hayes, Ed Bates would come to my house every year if the ACHA world hunt would be down south. They would stay and come three or four days or nights and hunt with me before we went to the ACHA World Hunt, and they hunted English. So I guess it just rubbed off on me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just wrote an article for Bear Hunting Magazine about an outstanding English bear dog, a red tick dog up in West Virginia. So, well, well, that's great. Well, uh, Morris, uh, you're a slender-built fella. I don't imagine you've ever been overweight in your life, have you?
1: Not really overweight. I got, I'm a little skinny guy, but I got up to 183 one time, and it just felt like I couldn't get through the door. So I went back down to a comfortable (laughs) weight, about 165, between there and 170. Yeah. So I do good now. It just fits me.
0: Well, I, and I don't, I don't think you have any serious bad habits, but we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, fi- I find you, you're my kind of people. You're, a, yeah, you're sober, you're straight up, you're a, a lot of fun to be with, and I always enjoy our yeah. our hunts out there in the White River. Uh, you tell me that so little do story. Do you mind telling on uh, what happened uh, there last night on your coon hunt?
1: My little, my little English dog is straight as a string, as my old friend used to say. She's straight as a string. We made the last tree, and my friend Randy Smith walks up to the tree. He says, "I see his eye." I tie my dog at the tree. About when I get her tied, Randy goes to shooting, and I heard a rumble hitting the limbs. I looked up, and a flying squirrel was almost to hit me, and I ran out and I accused Randy of shooting the flying squirrel out to my dog. <laughs> he says, Well I only saw an eye. And I said, Man. So we looked the tree over. Uh it's nothing there. It's got a big hole in it. So we say, Well at least it was a den. It wasn't slick. So I go to catch my dog and the coon is laying there dead, about five, six <laughs> feet from my dog.
0: <laughs> so he did see an eye, huh? He
1: saw the he saw the coon eye and I guess the coon falling scared the flying squirrel. Well, but all I saw was a flying squirrel almost to hit me, and so I ran. <laughs> I,
3: Nubbin,
0: t- Nubbin tells a story, maybe you remember it, where he was hunting with some old boy up there around Memphis. And this boy uh, had uh, a habit of, I think he was a amateur pharmacist or something there, uh, you know. <laughs> but, but people ask him, so why do you hunt with that guy? And he said, because he's got keys to all these gates. That's why I hunt with him. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, they were out there one night and and uh, the old boy was off a ways from them or something, and they heard the gun go off heard the gun go off. And he said, <laughs> he said, Well, what'd you shoot at? And he said, I don't know, but I had a big old eye. <laughs> I
1: said, good so, one, the best one I've had, and the preacher, the preacher here preached my best friend's funeral years ago in 07. He told the tale at the funeral that Carl and I were hunting at a pond. Paul's dog was running a track in the pond. I saw a coon on the other end of the pond to go take a puppy down, turn loose on the coon at the edge of the water. When I get down there, the coon goes out in the water and disappears. In a minute he came back up out in the pond with two big red eyes, and it was an alligator. Oh. So I go back down to tell Carl about it. Carl's dog got hung on a log with her collar, hung on a log. Mm. And Carl goes out to, to rescue his dog about waist deep, and he gets stuck in the mud in a beaver run. He can't go any further. So he says, man, you got to come help me. So I go out first, and I take the collar off of his dog that was hung on this log, a limb ran through her collar and let her go back to the bank. Then I went to the bank, went back down and rescued Carl, pulled him out of the mud. <laughs> we get back to the bank and he says, Why didn't you come get me before you did my dog? I said, Carl, I can find anybody to hunt with, but I can't find a good coon all around every day.
0: <laughs> that's right priorities right <laughs> yeah first the alligator first... was
1: right there at his dog then by the oh, time boy. i got it loose the alligator was
0: within 20 uh. feet of us yeah <laughs> i i live in florida as you know morrison uh, yeah there's alligators everywhere down here uh if i take my kayak out and go on one of these little rivers uh, uh fishing or whatever i run into them and quite often but what i don't like is when you you know, you get around a body of water at night down here and you see those eyes everywhere. You know, their yep. eyes shine just like a coal of fire really, you know, out there. Yes, sir. Uh, but,
1: they're red. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've learned. <laughs> well In we places do. we got gators here pretty bad. Hmm. Places we don't. In the summertime yeah. we see a lot of gators here and there. So you just have to be kind of pick your places to hunt.
0: Well, you're a little farther north than I am. And, uh, yeah. So, but, well, I tell you what, buddy, it's good to visit with you always. And, uh, that White River trip will be coming up here again this year for 2023. How many years have you and Randy been coming together over there? You remember? I don't,
1: I don't really know. Randy told me about it and got asked me that I want to come years and years ago. So, uh, that's back when we were in the single—back
0: in the single-wide trailer house. Yeah, we when we had the luxury go, suite Yeah, back there. Yeah, that really nice—that yeah, really I, nice trailer I house. I come in there drinking my <laughs> coffee one morning in the living room. I tend to get up kind of earlier than anybody else. And I was drinking my coffee, and I kind of looked around. I heard something move, you know. Of course, we had a, a resident mouse or two in that place, <laughs> Look around there, and here's a guy sleeping on the floor there behind the
3: chair. <laughs> I said, oh, man,
0: that's pretty rough. We'll find you a bed somewhere. That was old Morris Hardy. <laughs> I remember that guy sleeping behind the sofa. Yeah, I <laughs> bet you did. Oh, boy. Well, um, that was a couple years there where we had didn't have the best is. accommodations, but we sure had fun, right. didn't we? Well, we had fun.
1: That's Absolutely. all Absolutely. That
0: Well, now, you and Randy have really, uh, uh, how they say, raised the bar when it comes to cooking in our hunting camp. Uh, You do the fish fries, and now it's got to be uh, frog legs. And then this year, which was a surprise to me when I saw it over there on the sink, I said, I don't know if I want any of that or not. It was that rattlesnake. Man, that was good.
1: All I can say is from now on, Steve, if I see a rattlesnake in the woods, he is in trouble. He's coming home.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you that's some good eating right there now. Yes, sir. It. Well, well oh, a late
3: rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit. I'm going to let you go about this tootie female you got. How old is she and kind of about what she's doing, what she's, she's it's like to hunt with be-
1: her. She'll be two years old the 25th of next month. I'm pretty sure of that. Yes, sir. And I don't remember really. Steve, I'm getting to the age you can't remember. I don't remember the dog that she's out of, and I think he's Georgia. I saw an ad on him, Uh, but I can't remember what it is. He's a Grand Night Champion out of Georgia, though, like a T. Right. And I bought her from a boy out, uh, out from Chattanooga, Tennessee, sight unseen. I like what he said about her, so I just bought a pup. And I met him in Huntsville, Alabama, and picked up this pup when she was about eight weeks old. Mm -hmm. And then everything fell in place from there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I really messed up this year at the White River. Uh,
1: No, it just came to me. Steve, excuse me. No. She is out of a dog called Swamp River Crow.
0: Okay. That's what she's out of. I got you. I yes. got you. Well, some his, of our listeners board. out here will know who yep. that dog is for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: I may be right wrong on the state, but I know he's out of Swamp River Crow.
0: I got you. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to say there, I kind of messed up this year. My buddy from North Carolina came out, and it was his first time out uh, to Arkansas. And we kind of, uh, well, he had a side side-by-side. My four-wheeler wasn't running. Yeah, And so I ended up hunting with him about every night, and I didn't get to hunt with you boys like I'd like to every year. So I didn't get to go with Tootie this year, but yeah. I, I sure look forward to it yeah. next year. I'm going to make a, a point of getting around and trying to hunt with everybody because that's the fun of it to me it, yeah. is getting with the different guys yeah. and the different dogs and all that stuff. Well, more a good active
1: buddy. I like him. He's a good
3: fellow. Yeah, he's he really a good,
0: he's a good guy for sure, and and he's done well with the dogs and uh, and uh, we have. He keeps me in the coon hunting game. He and this young fellow over in Virginia, they and and then the other Randy Smith in Pennsylvania, they send me videos all the time of their hunts well, and all, and that's keeping yep. me, you know, active. Otherwise, I'd probably on this subject of of You know, when is it time to quit or or have I entertained those thoughts? I certainly have myself. Uh, uh, don't give know? up on it yet, though. Now, nah,
1: well, you feel still young. Don't,
0: well, don't well I'm going to try, and I'm going to try to get myself in a little better shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Morris, I appreciate so much uh, the opportunity to talk with you, and thank you for your time today, and uh, hope you have a, have a good day. You and Randy going tonight?
4: Well, the
1: weatherman said it's rain coming. The thunderstorm is supposed to be here at any time right afternoon, so I don't know if we're going to get to go tonight or not. We're just going to wait got and you. see what the weather does.
0: Well, it's great to be at a time of life. I think that you can just say, yes, "Well, sir. if the weather permits, I'm going," you know, and uh, have a good hunting, well, buddy. Yeah. you've got one got of the, the rest best of the week right to there. Him, so it's okay. Yeah. Yep. I say you've got one of the best in a hunting buddy there.
1: I do. I do have a good one, <laughs> and he does yes, too.
0: <laughs> I will. Yes, add. He,
1: he's a good fella. He's yes, sir. Yes.
0: Absolutely, good dog man. He's a little
1: under the weather right now, but mm. uh, he'll be okay.
0: Well, I sure hope so, yeah, he's Randy Smith has yes, trained sir. a lot of good black and tan dogs a lot of a lot of people have parted with the that long green to get something that Randy's trained because he's he's <laughs> just a hard <laughs> hunter and a good dog man
1: <laughs> every night hunter he'll hunt he'll say just a short hunt, I'm going for a short one, but he'll hunt almost every night
0: I bet you I bet you he does real yes, coon hunter they still exist yes, sir. out there, Morris. They're still out there. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well you have a great day. I'm so glad I got to speak with you and and we'll see you. If I don't see you before, I'll see you in Arkansas. All right. I thank you a lot,
1: Steve. And we didn't miss you at the Winter Classic this year. Oh, I miss
0: going, but we'll we'll make her next year. Okay. Good. That's Morris. Yeah. That's Morris Hardy from Sardis, Mississippi. Well, okay. I enjoyed uh, talking with Jim Garrison today and also with my old buddy Morris Hardy from over in Mississippi. And now I got the main man on the line, the guy from Starrett, Alabama, the one and only Nubbin Moore. What's going on, Nub?
4: Well, nothing. I'm just sitting right here now waiting to talk to you.
0: <laughs> I You've learned if you run with me very long, you're going to end up waiting, aren't you?
4: Oh, yeah. You wait, <laughs> and you podcast, and you talk, and then you'll talk to somebody else, and then you'll get back with me.
0: <laughs> I always go back to my old bud, though, right?
4: That's right. That's right. That's right. How long we been running together? I, I, oh, I guess it was in the... The late 80s,
0: wasn't it? And, uh, well, whenever you got, well, the first time around was in at the uh, Autumn Oaks when you won that. We've told people about that enough. They oh yeah, they probably know the story by now, but that's a pretty big deal, man, to win Autumn Oaks. Not just your breed, but the whole oh. daggone thing. Oh, yeah.
4: That's right. I, uh-huh. I was talking to Adam Green- Gingrich one day, and he said, What's the difference in winning it now and winning it when you were there in 84? And I said, well, the main difference is I get a bunch of prizes now. All I got was a (laughs) plaque. No, well, I did get a silver setting because it was the 25th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't get I didn't get a light and trackers and dog boxes and all that stuff. And like Yeah,
0: well, a TV deal and a con yeah. book contract and that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they didn't even call you and ask you to come on. Let's make a deal or American no. Idol or anything. No, there. there
4: was nothing. There was nothing. You mm. just. You just got that trophy and put your dog in the box and come on home.
0: Well, back in that day, uh, I used to say, if I die, I put it on my on my tombstone. Recognition is the name of the game. Well, that's so a- that's about all we got back then, wasn't it?
4: That's exactly right. Like the guy what? says,
0: it's kind of like waiting your pants in a dark blue suit. So well, that's you, get, right. you get a nice warm feeling, but nobody notices it. That's
4: right. Nobody knows the difference. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, Nubbin, you just had a birthday, buddy.
4: I did, last uh, Monday. Monday,
0: the 13th. Yeah, lucky 13 for Nubbin. Always the day before Valentine's Day.
4: That's right. That's right. I was a Valentine baby.
0: There you go.
4: I reckon you could call it that. (laughs)
0: In reverse, usually the babies get started on Valentine's Day, and that, then they, hey, they, right. they, right. they come around about nine months later. But.
4: Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, well, man. I told my grandson, you know, he got married here a while back, and I said, you know, the first baby can come anytime after that. They're nine months apart. <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> that's what I've heard. Well, well, you know, the theme of this podcast is time I I. Wanted to kind of talk to some of the older hunters because you hear a lot among our friends, you know, guys that are uh as as Nathan Eds up in West Virginia told me one time, he said, Steve, we're standing in the checkout line. And mm-hmm. uh that to a degree is true. And, uh, but those of us that are getting a little older, but what I wanted to talk about is those of us who, not particularly me, but my friends and people that I know that are continuing to hunt at an age where a lot of fellows have said, well, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, hang the leashes up and, yep. and get rid of my boots, you know, um, I often wondered back in the registry days. They made these veterans cast and stuff fifty-five and and over up. Well, man, when I was fifty-five years old, I I hadn't looked back. I hadn't slowed down a bit, had you?
4: No, I hadn't. They oughta had it seventy years old.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a whole lot. Uh, closer to it now. You do you mind sharing how old you are now, Nubbin? Well, I'm 82. 82. I, I'm
4: proud. Of, I'm proud of it. I don't mind telling folks that I'm 82.
0: Right, right. Well, you carried a whole lot better than a lot of us. You still got all your hair for one thing.
4: Well, I've got, I've got plenty of air, but it's getting great. It's
3: getting
0: great. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, you know, uh, we talked uh, with Jim Garrison about Warren Wilson up in Missouri that lived to be 97, mm-hmm. and he coon hunted right on up to the time, uh, you know, right. that he passed, or uh, pretty close to it. I, I'm reminded of, I believe, the gentleman there in your neck of the woods, Harold Edwards.
4: Yeah, he's he's 92 or 3 now. Yeah, exactly, and
0: spoke with him on the phone uh, not too long ago. And then, um, of course, Mr. Aaron, Wimp Aaron over there in Winston is his name, in Mississippi is still an active coon hunter. Oh, um, yeah. So there's several of us that are still, uh, you know, uh, hunting past the uh, retirement age anyway. What what about you? What do you attribute to the fact that you're still hunting at 82 years old?
4: Well, I just I've always hunted since I was a teenager or, or younger younger than that squirrel hunting and all, but I just always enjoyed hearing the dogs and having a dog that's suited me or halfway suited me anyway, and uh, I don't know. I just I just hate to quit. Uh, I'm not going to quit anytime soon. Uh, I don't have any plans. I know my hunting buddy, Jerry, just quit last week. He was my age or year or two younger, but he told me earlier in the summer last year, last fall summer and fall, he told me, listen, I'm going to hunt this year and I'm going to quit. So he'd been talking that for six months or longer. And uh, he called me last week and he said, well, today, just as good a day as any, I'm quitting. So
0: Well so he you- quit. That's, um, that's something I think for most of us, it, rather than saying, well, today's the day, it's kind of a gradual thing. And if you had, our listeners had known me when I lived in Michigan, and of course I had a, all that good hunting up there, I was pretty much after it every night, you know, that I could could go. Mm-hmm. I didn't go every night, but. I had a family and so forth, but still I went real often. If they look at me now, they'd say, "Well, you know, we're going to take away your coon hunter card. You're just not using it, yeah. Yeah, you know." But uh, but it's usually a gradual process with us. And I, I just I wanted to do this podcast for the older hunters, the mm-hmm. ones that are maybe thinking, "Well, maybe I ought to just." Uh, you know, uh, just not get out here and try to make this effort because it is an effort. It is a lot different. What What would you say uh, the main differences you see now uh, in coon hunting and when back there when you and old Hank were winning autumn oaks? I mean, as far as yourself personally.
4: Oh well, like back then I could go and hunt. All, I used to hunt. Yeah, well, I hunted two or three nights a week all the time, but on Friday night, me and my hunting buddy, we'd hunt all night long and turn loose one time after daylight. It just about every Saturday morning. But now, if we go make a tree or two, then I'm I'm ready to quit and go home.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And that that's the difference that I see. Rather than hunting all night, you know, you know, I just enjoy getting the dog out. The dog needs exercise and. It stays up there in the pen behind the house all the time. It don't get any. So, right now, I used to go two or three times every week. I never was one to hunt every night like Marsh and Randy Smith over Mississippi. They hunt just about every night. But, you know, I just never have done that. But now I try to go at least once and sometimes twice a week. And that's about all I hunt.
0: Yeah, well, I was talking to my buddy Keston Jesse up there in Virginia. I've had pa- Keston on the podcast a few times, and he and a, a friend up there uh, had said they were going to go. I won't divulge the place or his hunting territory over there, but they, this is a big area. There's a big creek and a lot of a lot of, uh what we call hollers in the mountains or hollows feed into it. And their plan was just to go in at dark and send the dogs up a hollow. And if they treed up there, then good, then get them and drive on up and turn them up the next hollow. And they plan to hunt all night. Well, Keston's, I think, 28. i may yes. be missing that a year or two. When you're a young man, you can think about things like that, and things like that are fun, and to get out there and, and pull those all-nighters, and I've certainly done that a lot of times. Sometimes it wasn't by design. You know, we'd lose dogs back in the day there. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's a, that doesn't sound like a lot, a lot of fun to me right now. Well, uh, I, I, I I
4: well, I started to say I couldn't. I probably could if I wanted to, but... I don't. I probably never. I probably never hunt over two or three hours anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think at our age our priorities change. You know, no. I mean, we we're not trying to prove anything to anybody, no. uh, really. I mean, uh, we we're too old to be thinking that way uh, because we can't get out here and run with these young guys, and we can't train a dog the way these younger guys can do. Probably, you know, or at least give in in mentioning training i mean being out there and keeping that dog busy in the woods the way a younger fella could but
4: if you got if you got a young dog you got to hunt it pretty regular you know
0: no substitute for hunting one is there
4: no no, you can't hunt one time a week and train a dog
0: Well, I think, you know, and I've already been reprimanded by some of the young hunters that I sometimes, when I talk about younger hunters, I kind of sound like I'm putting them down. And I really am not. But I am trying to encourage them uh, through the means that I know will work. If, if, If I don't know and I'm just blowing hot air, then absolutely don't listen and and just write it off but some of the things i know will work and that's one of the things there is you know you you uh you do your winning through the week uh you know really because you're out there with that dog learning that dog learning all about him and then yeah. on the weekend that's when you know they they write the checks but mm-hmm. it, the winning, in my view, gets gets done Monday through Thursday. Let's say. Would you agree?
4: Oh yeah, you, you got you got to keep keep them in the woods, and you got to train them where you can go to hunt on the weekend.
0: All right. Well, back in our day, we kind of look forward to those weekend hunts, and. Uh, what was your routine? Did you kind of watch the magazines to see where the hunts were yeah, coming from? Or?
4: I would I'd watch the magazine and and then I would see you know, my back back when I was hunting in the hunts regularly, if it was one within a hundred miles, I would try to go to it. But mm-hmm. if it was if it was over a hundred now, I have gone to some over a hundred, but I'm talking about just regular Saturday night hunt, then mm-hmm. if it was over a hundred miles I wouldn't I wouldn't go.
0: Right. Right. Well, now with the, the PKC and UKC, and uh, and AKC is still having some events, and there's the ACHA events, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and then Pro Sport has introduced these high-dollar money hunts. Uh, I think my guard dog is on duty. Guard dog sees a squirrel in the yard.
4: Or he sees Ella coming
0: in one. That's probably what it is here uh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this is a, a dog podcast, a coon dog podcast, and this is that's a black and tan you hear in the background yeah. there. Mm-hmm. A long-haired black and tan. Right. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know where we were before I, I got interrupted by Louie. But uh, anyway, the guys that are hunting, the younger fellows and the new hunters and all, it, the more you can uh, get a chance to get out with that dog and spend time in the timber. The dog needs it. He needs the exercise. He needs the experience. And so do you. And that's probably one of my biggest problems is trying to stay in shape at my age Um I well,
4: you know what? I don't care how much I try to do. I don't do it as much as I ought to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not nowhere near in the shape to hunt all night if I wanted to. But, you know, I, I still love to go. And,
0: right. Sure. Well, your friend, uh, Jerry Han, I will mention him, a nice fellow. I got had the privilege of hunting with you and him there at their hunting camp uh, a couple of years, two or three years ago, I guess it was. Yeah. And... uh but he, he his dog is getting older, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's thinking about, or you know, has made the decision that he made.
4: Well, he told me here a while back. He said he's ten years old now, and I've never hunted a dog past ten years old. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so, yeah. so that's kind of a challenge for us, uh, for we guys that are a little older. Uh, I say a little older. I'm again. I'm 76, so I'm I'm not that uh, that far behind you, Nubbin. But you well, know, I don't
4: want you. To, I don't want you to catch me either.
0: <laughs>
4: that, that means I'm pushing up days.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we won't ever catch up with you. But uh, but no, uh, you know that training a pup aspect, and I think for the older fellows, I think the uh, the best way to do that is the way you did. With the dog that you have now, Kate, your Walker female, she was what about three years old when you bought her? No, she was just two. Two, okay. She was two, but she was okay. she already had a first place win in UKC, I believe, right?
4: She did. She had a first and a the second. I guided her one night. I didn't have a dog hunting, and uh, well, I had one, and I called him, but. Anyway, and then I was guiding cast, and I guided the cast she was in, and she made three had three first trees and had had three coons, and I hmm. didn't think nothing about it. And then about a month or so later, we had another hunt here at home, so he showed up again, and I told Jamie Perry, and he was a master hunt. I said I want, I had to guide one cast. So I said I want to guide that cast, so and she won that, when uh, she already had a first. But wound up uh, – no, she had a first, and she won a third that night because the guy was playing defense. He said, I don't need a first. I've already got one. So he had weighed about training her, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I thought, why don't you treat the dog? It's not mine, but I know she's free. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he said, I'm just playing defense. I just want to win this cast. Yeah. And he did. And so I asked him about it. I said, hey, you get red that dog. Let me know. I might be interested. And he said, well – she's not mine and he said i'm hunting her for ricky and he said uh if he decides to sell her i'm gonna buy her so i thought okay so i pretty much th- forgot about it And this was in the fall of the year and then uh months later or something went by and he called me oh a little while before christmas it was like the latter part of november first of december maybe and he said Novin, if you want that dog you need to call ricky Cause I can't buy her right now, cause I got to buy Christmas for these three boys I got. Mm-hmm. So I called Ricky and he priced her, and I told him, to, I said, "Can you meet me at the Jack's down the street, down the road here, about ten miles?" And he said, "Yeah." So I went in there and got a little money from my bride and uh, <laughs> went down there and bought her. And uh, yeah. so I've had her. I've had her five years now, cause she's seven now.
0: Yeah. Well, the point being there that I I wanted to make by asking about that is that maybe for older hunter, if you're considering that, rather than than going through all those uh, ups and downs with a pup, you'd probably be better off to find a dog that suits you and, yeah. and buy a dog that's already you know tree and coons and and uh, don't go through all that headache of. Uh, Trying to train a pup up to to make a dog that you like, and of course you may have to pay it a little more. But uh, you you definitely, I think, would save some steps and be a whole lot easier. And especially if they could find one like Kate, because she's been a good one. And uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, you know. It, I,
4: tell, I tell people she is not the best cone treeing dog I've ever had, although she's pretty good at it. But best all around dog I ever had, far as she never hardly barks in the pen, and she poops over to the right of the door. Every time I go up in the morning to feed her, I just scoop one scoop up, put it in the bucket, and then, and then I, the the pen is clean. I've had dogs that would crap and just track it all over the pen. Every day you had to get a hose up there and wash it out. <laughs> and you said that's good, and she don't bark in the pan. She comes when I call her, and I don't know what else you'd want yeah. out of
0: the dog. Well, well that's right, and uh, I think that there again to make that point. If you get a dog, you know that's like that, and and consider all those things, fellas. If you are uh, considering, maybe, well, this is too much hassle for me anymore at my age. Think about what yeah. are you going to do to replace it, you know. Because if you don't go and have some kind of a hobby or some kind of an activity, you're going to find yourself probably losing ground in that physical battle. Because I know my dad, as he got older, you know, and his hunting buddies, uh, the bear hunting became more difficult and all. And he spent a lot more time in the recliner than he should have. And I think he would have probably lasted longer uh, if he had done that. So uh, it, this podcast is not to preach to anybody, but I know what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to stay more active. I'm going to try to go. I have friends down here that I'm not keeping a dog here at my home right now, except, as you heard before, this uh, this dachshund. But uh, I do have friends that will take me coon hunting, and I'm going to be out there with them. Every yeah. chance I get, and I'm going to go on those trips up to the mountains uh, and uh, Virginia, North Carolina, and, and with my buddy Randy Smith in Pennsylvania. And I'm going to try to stay active just as long as I can because, you know, I just don't know uh, a life without these hounds and without my hound friends I think would be a, a pretty lonely life for me.
4: Yeah, I've had a hound at my house for for as long as i can remember you know i had one when i was a teenager and you know i raised a, you know i raised a little pups to a little over yes. about two and a half mm-hmm. years ago and i bred her that's the only time she's ever been bred and i thought well i need to raise another pup but when the pups got here i thought i don't need another pup <laughs> So she didn't have yeah. it before, so I got, I got rid of I let right. the cones have them, mm-hmm. and I, uh, two of them made pretty good dogs from what I can hear. I hadn't hunted with any one of them, but
3: uh, right. anyway,
4: one of them I don't know what happened to it, mm-hmm. but the other three I know they do do okay. Uh, as far as I know, they're not world beaters, but they treat cones, right? But, you know, I just decided. Uh, I wouldn't do a dog justice if, if I had a young dog right now. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we both can can own up to that that we really and I, I've been fortunate to have these young fellows, Keston and Mark. You know, that they're uh, Mark's a little older than Keston is, but they're both very much into coon hunting every night they can go. And uh, a guy like that can can do a dog so much more good. Well, Mm -hmm. listen, uh, we're going to wind this up here, but I wanted to mention uh, another gentleman that coon hunted. Way into his eighties, or well into his eighties, I believe, and that, and we've mentioned him before. And that was Fred Sanders, your buddy from oh, yeah. uh, the Mississippi area. There, he oh, lived yeah. in actually in northern Mississippi.
4: He did. He actually lived in Memphis one in his working years, and then he moved down in the edge of Mississippi, and that's where he retired. At.
0: Right. And now Fred lived to be how how old? Fred
4: was in his 80s, but I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how. I don't remember. Yeah. but he hunted up. He hunted some right up to the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess when we get old, we get we get uh, ornery and cantankerous, and old Fred got that away too. Oh, he'd get so mad. <laughs> yeah, I got I laugh at him every once in a while.
0: Remember what he always said, and of course, don't use the expl- <laughs> yeah the 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 uh colorful oh language. yeah, but he when I'd get the camera out, you know, I like to take pictures of our hunts, and I think the boys enjoy, them. but what did he oh, yeah. always say?
4: He said, I always say, we'd have done't treat two cony for what fit blanket make a movie shoot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. He wasn't a big fan of that. And he wasn't a no. fan of the dogs hunting too far either, was he?
4: No, he didn't like that. He, <laughs> he wanted to be he up there close, you know. Of course, when you get older, you don't want to walk in an know eight mm-hmm. or 900 yards. Your brother wants right. to be out there 200 or 150 yards.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, when he come to White River there as he was getting older, he'd kind of like to get back home and sleep in his own bed, didn't he? He, oh, did, he yeah. didn't like to stay away too long. He
4: didn't
0: do that. Right. I, I,
4: mean, I haven't got that way yet. I don't care. As long as it's a good bed, I don't
3: care where it's at.
0: Well, know? that's right. Well, We've got to get out there on the road. Autumn Oaks is coming up this year, this summer. We've got a plan to be up there for sure again and, uh, and all. But, you know, the thing about it is that I think about here, coon hunters out there, no matter how old you are or what, uh, uh, what's your station in as far as your health or, or your work or anything else. Every day the sun comes up, that's another day older that we're getting. And, uh, we can't, uh, stop that process. But the point, but the point is, is to find yourself some good friends and, uh, and, you know, get yourself a good hound if you don't already have one and get out there and enjoy it. And I I know that I'm finding that the younger fellows are being very gracious to me to say, you know, Steve, don't worry about it. If they're in there deep, I'll go get your dog. Oh, or whatever.
4: Yeah, that all the time.
0: Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm not quite to that point yet, although those long walks, I don't enjoy them as much as I used to. Uh, But but anyway, well, listen, uh, this dog is getting impatient, waiting for Ella to come back home, and I guess it's time I probably better cut this off. But, Nubbin, thanks a lot for for, uh, recording with me today. I hope you and I have got a lot more uh, uh, trips and a lot more traveling, a lot more coon hunting to do.
4: That's exactly right. I'm going turkey hunting in April, too.
0: Well, good for you. Good for you. Well, I I know you enjoy that, and so anyway, uh, my my buddy Nubbin Moore from Sterrett, Alabama, long time coon hunter, was a black and tan man. Now he's hunting a Walker dog. Seems like we all kind of go that way <laughs> uh, sometime. But uh, Nubbin, it's always good to talk to you, buddy. I'll I'll talk to you later.
4: Okay, Steve. Be good.
0: Yep. Well, friends, that's going to. Be Shine the tree for another week here on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Uh, This thing's going to air on March 20th. Uh, We've got a nice dark moon, a new moon coming up tomorrow. Um, Give you some good dark nights to hunt those hounds and enjoy it. And as the month of March kind of uh, is tripping on toward April, uh, the days are going to be getting a little warmer and You're going to have some great nights for hunting, and I hope you enjoy it very much. Uh, That's going to be it from the old coon hunter, Steve Fielder. If anyone asks you, where is that guy from the hills of West Virginia, you tell him, well, I don't know for sure where he is, but I guarantee you, he's gone to the dogs.